Vox Quick Hits. America has never been particularly concerned with women's sports. And yet, a slew of bills trying to block transgender girls and women from participating in them are popping up across the country. Transgender kids are sort of the new frontier in conservatives' anti-LGBTQ culture war. Before they were talking about sports, they were fretting over bathrooms and puberty blockers. Some lawmakers insist that letting trans women play women's sports just isn't fair. Caitlin Burns, a contributing writer at Vox, is here to explain what's going on. So you have been covering kind of a fresh wave of anti-trans state legislation that's happening across the country. What is it? A bunch of states are trying to ban trans girls from girls' sports, girls' and women's sports in schools. Uh, So everything from elementary to college-age sports, they're just attempting to wholesale ban trans girls and women from participating as girls and women. Why specifically are they targeting trans girls and trans women? The argument is that trans girls and women are, quote, biologically male and therefore inherently born athletically superior to cis women and cis girls. And this is sort of the political veneer that they're putting on this is that they're saying they're, quote, protecting women's sports by doing this. So that's their argument. What they're really sort of going for is they want some sort of law that passes through the court system that defines trans women as men. Once they get this, they can push for the next thing to consider under, you know, trans women as men under the law. So it's not really about sports. It's about creating a legal wedge that they can continue to exploit down the line. Yeah. I mean, America's not a country that's traditionally prioritized women's sports as a girl. <laughs> no. And you see this with the college women's basketball tournament who are like, just blatantly under-prioritized versus the men in terms of weight room, in terms of the food service that they're getting, in terms of everything from their swag bags to the COVID tests they're getting. Like, there is no majority of people who have ever, quote, protected women's sports, but all of a sudden trans issues gets involved and it's like, it doesn't make any sense to me logically. Yeah, so... This isn't the first time that lawmakers have attempted to legislate trans issues, obviously. And this isn't the first time that we've heard about this debate about trans athletes. How long has this been circulating? (laughs) Well, unfortunately, it's been circulating since the 70s, actually. (laughs) There was Renee Richards, uh, who was a tennis player in the 70s, who is a trans woman in her... I think early 40s, and she transitioned, and she actually won a lawsuit to play on the women's tennis tour. And there was all kinds of controversy back then. There were letters to the editor of the New York Times saying that this was, quote, the end of women's sports, and that we must ban trans women from women's tennis before women's tennis gets taken over by, quote, biologically superior men. And that never happened. It's been 50 years now since that court judgment. And trans women have not taken over a single sport because there aren't enough trans women athletes to, first of all, take over any one sport. There aren't even enough trans athletes to, like, form a basketball team in, like, 
a state. <laughs> well, and the narrative we hear a lot is that trans athletes are are highly skilled and that they're elite competitors. But what you're telling me that that's not really the case. No, not at all. And I think the most high profile case of all of them actually happened in Connecticut in high school. There were these two trans girls who were both black, tremendously talented, very fast, and they dominated the sprints there for a couple of years, right? Which I understand can be really frustrating for their competitors. This is taken as proof that this is what would happen with all trans girls if they were allowed to compete. But I think this is more a case of an outlier. Like, I think that there are discussions to be had about, like, hormone requirements for trans women. But I think that this idea that just being born, quote unquote, a boy makes somebody athletic superior is actually pretty sexist and doesn't really match up to what the science says. Yeah, what is the science here? Because I feel like we hear men are biologically stronger than women, but how does that hold up in this conversation? I'm not sure that I would disagree with the statement men are biologically stronger than women on average. My request is, can we consider trans bodies in this and not just cis men's and cis women's bodies? Like trans women take hormones because it changes their bodies. So my ask is that science uses trans women's bodies in comparison to cis women's bodies and not cis men's bodies. And I don't think that's a big ask. Like, if you're doing science about a certain topic, it should be as specific as possible. Now, when it comes to the science, it's, I always refer to it as sort of unsettled. Like, there are vast disagreements within a bunch of different sports sciences about this, Everybody's looking for the study that is like the grand proof, and I don't think there ever will be. Because I think that when you talk about sport advantages, it's very much dependent on sports, right? So like taller people generally have an advantage in basketball. Trans women generally are taller than cis women. That's not universal. I have a five foot zero trans friend and I have a six foot three cis woman friend. Like There's variance across there. So it would be very weird to ban trans women from a sport like basketball because they're too tall, while also allowing like Brittany Griner, who's, you know, six foot six or seven to play in the WNBA. Like, that wouldn't make sense to me. With my conversations with a bunch of trans athletes, what I've found is like, the first thing that goes when they transition is their agility, like their first step or their first three steps become significantly slower. Like we know biologically that estrogen is less efficient at building muscle than testosterone. So when a trans woman goes on estrogen, when the muscle rebuilds after a workout, it'll be much slower. So she won't be able to work out as often or work out as hard. Like she won't be able to maintain the same level of training that she was pre-transition. So we know that trans women become less athletic as a fact. We just are not quite sure exactly how less athletic. A lot of these bills are targeting school-aged children. And on a personal level, it feels to me like it's kind of mean. Like, trans kids have a hard enough time as it is. And I guess I wonder what you'd say to people who just aren't quite sure what to think about these bills in that context, that we are talking about kids here. Yeah, I would say most kids start playing sports to hang out with their friends. And I think that's true for most even high school age athletes. If you look at the percentages of high school athletes that go on to play in college, it's a very small percentage. It's like five or 10 percent, if that. So I think most even high school age kids are there to have fun, 
spend time with their friends, develop healthy habits and mindsets, and be there for the camaraderie I guess you could say. So these bills, first of all, they single out trans girls, and they almost completely ignore trans boys because they don't see trans boys as any sort of threat to male supremacy, I guess you could say. But what it's saying is it's, it's not acceptable for trans girls to socialize with cisgender girls. And I think that sort of gets at the deeper issue, the deeper goals at play here for the anti-trans side is they're trying to force socialization of trans girls as little boys or men, where that doesn't really match up with the reality of a trans girl's life. Yeah, this is a tough one. I didn't realize how 28 states now have have bills about this. It's just... It's a lot. It's a lot of states. Well, thank you so much for being with here and for, for talking to me about this. Yeah, thank you for having me. Caitlin Burns is a freelance journalist and a contributing writer at Vox. She's also the host of the podcast Cancel Me Daddy. You can find her on Twitter at Transcribe. I'm Emily Stewart, and this is Tell Me More. Our producer is Sophie Lalonde. You can find more episodes and other stories from Vox in the Vox Quick Hits feed wherever you get your podcasts. 